Happy Resurrection Day. Well, you know what? Uh, to get, thank you, Beverly. I appreciate that. Uh, let's try this one. He is risen. He is risen you know, and he has risen. Jesus came. He died as an atonement for all of our sin. He paved the way for eternity together with God, and he won the victory, get this, over sin and death. Can you believe it? Do you believe it this morning? See, sometimes I feel like that gets old. You know what death is, right? Death is dead. And on a Friday 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, and he was dead. And then he came back from the dead. That's really something. If you don't think so, try it sometime. No, don't. But Jesus has victory over the grave, amen? And victory over sin and death, amen? And on Easter especially, it seems to me, we celebrate that reassurance and the hope that in Jesus we have victory, amen? And I could beat that theme to death or actually beat it to life, for the rest of the service this morning, because that is reality. Jesus won the victory. His victory is complete. It's total. The devil is vanquished and overthrown, and he has won. No more pain, no more suffering. He has won it all. He has overcome the world, and that is reality. But this morning, I want to add to that reality. And it may be in a way that might be unexpected uh, on an Easter morning. We'll see. I need to hear the reassurance and hope of Easter, and maybe you do too, because have you noticed that even in the wake of Jesus' complete victory, have you noticed that life on this planet is still hard? There's still trouble. Have you noticed? And that's the part where the Easter message starts to create questions in people's minds like, oh, what is he talking about? This is Easter. We come and celebrate victory. Why is he talking about life being hard? Because that, my friends, is the reason for the victory that Jesus conquered on the cross and over death. Because life continues to be hard. And this shouldn't surprise us. Because Jesus, did you know, told us point blank that this would be this way, that life would continue to be hard, that there would be trouble. Yes, even after the cross. On his way to the cross, on the night before he died, Jesus talks to his disciples about the trouble in life. The Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, give us great detail of what Jesus told them that night. Jesus tells them things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
He tells them he's going away for a little while, and, and then in a little while he'll be back. And, and he tells them in the meantime, he's going to send, God will send a counselor, a comforter. And he tells them that that counselor and comforter, the spirit of truth that we know of as the Holy Spirit, he tells those disciples that spirit will live in them until Jesus comes back for them. And Jesus tells them things like, I am the vine and you are the branches, and apart from me you can do nothing. And then he tells them that he loves them. And he tells them that he loves them just like the Father loves him. And that in their turn, they are to love one another. And Jesus tells them things like that the night before he died. And then he says this right before he prays. The last thing he says before his prayer, he says this to his disciples and he says this to us the night before he died. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. Trouble. Yeah, no kidding, right? Have you discovered this to be true? And have you discovered that Jesus isn't just talking about, oh, a little trouble, but he's talking about big-time trouble? Have you noticed? The kind of trouble that, that, that tries to swallow us up the kind of trouble that um, threatens even to shake faith. The kind of big time trouble that pushes us to wonder even sometimes, is there really a God? Have you experienced or even, even are you experiencing this morning that kind of trouble yourself? And if you're a Christian... Have you noticed that um, the trouble in life is still there? Maybe even worse since you became a Christian? Have you noticed yet that, that being a Christian doesn't exempt us from big trouble? As many of you know, uh, we have for some time been getting to know people getting to know the Church of West Bowles, who are the people of West Bowles, through a We Are West Bowles video series each week. It's a highlight of the service for me, and I know for many of you too. And um, that's because each week we get to know someone a little bit more um, here, I get to hear a little bit of their story. And have you noticed along the way as we've been watching these videos, have you noticed how in each We Are West Bulls story, I think without exception, but have you noticed that in each story, Jesus' words about trouble in this world ring true? We have... Um, a We Are West Bulls video this morning of sorts. John went back and and looked through all of them that uh, you had done to date, and he put together just a small sample of the trouble in our lives, West Bulls. 
And uh, as we watch, ask yourself, can you relate at all to the trouble in life? Let's watch. When I was 17, I was a young freshman at CU and um, got pregnant uh, pretty early on. And um, I joked that the first test that I took in college was actually a pregnancy test. Our finances kind of got really rocky for a while. We ended up losing pretty much everything. I had a, um, a double mastectomy with reconstruction. It was a 12-hour surgery. Part of the reconstruction failed. I survived a, a leaking brain aneurysm. Um, long story short, it broke as they got to it on the table. Um, knowing that a child of yours who graduated valedictorian of a senior class um, started taking crystal meth and ended up disappearing. I had cancer in 2005. I had back surgery in 2006. I had shoulder surgery in 2008. It got bad enough where I, I truly did not want to be on this earth anymore. I didn't. Um, the pain was so much on the inside that to go forward, I, I just didn't have it in me to do it. I was in a horrific car accident. And it was horrific car accident that my wife and children watched. She was having a seizure, grand mal seizure. And it just, it scared me to death. And I'd been around stuff like that in law enforcement. I'd seen things like that. But to have somebody you love and is close to you suddenly go into a seizure like that and not know what's wrong, uh, it, was, it was really tough. Um, we were married for four, five. five years. And I was diagnosed with uh, cancer and gave me, I don't know, 40% chance of making it. And we really had a rocky time with our marriage at one point. Uh, we even spent some time apart and it was, it was really, there were times when we just thought this is just not going to work. And we were married 19 years, had three boys, and in, in 2003 she came down with cancer. I was um, 36 when I got married and 38 when I had Kelly and in between Kelly and Tommy, we, I had some miscarriages. You know, I seemed to, I had pre got pregnant, but I couldn't quite get past that three months. He had a traumatic brain injury. He had a stroke, um, and he was six minutes without oxygen to his brain. He was officially dead. Um, they revived him, and he was in a coma for uh, two months. And then the other doctor came in, and. Um, and said she had some bad news for us. And um, when she said it was leukemia, I just, everything just kind of went numb. I, it was just, it was like an, the beginning of a terrible yeah. nightmare. First they thought I had a stroke, and I didn't. Um, and so they did the CAT scan, and then they did an MRI, and they found a lesion in my brain. I am a teenage mom. I had him when I was 16, and um, was not privileged. I was booted out at 15. If I did not get an abortion, I was out. And there was no way I was going to. He decided to do the cancer surgery and he removed the mass and 14 lymph nodes 
and about eight inches of my small intestine, and they put me on the oncology ward. I had a child by an earlier marriage that died of cystic fibrosis. Going through that for eight years and, and then seeing her buried was, was not an easy thing. We don't have kids right now. That's actually something we struggle uh, a lot with because we've, we've wanted to become parents for probably about three years. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's not God's will. I was diagnosed um, with multiple myeloma, stage three, which in American English terms is uh, bone marrow cancer. Uh, really took us off guard. Four months after um, uh, bringing home our son Eli and, and going through the process of adopting him, um, right after Christmas, um, they decided that they wanted Eli back. And they, the lady knocked on the door and she was crying and we were crying. And we opened the door and they took Eli and uh, we haven't ever seen him again. And um, can you relate? I have, um, I have no doubt if we took the time to pass the mic and asked, have you had any trouble, any big trouble in your life? I think we'd be here the rest of the day. That video, um, perhaps not your typical Easter video. But maybe it should be. Because of Jesus' words to his disciples that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Two realities. One, in this world there'll be trouble. And the other reality going on at the same time is that Jesus has overcome the world. And we're living at a time now where we live in both realities. And we err. We err greatly and get ourselves into trouble if we think of only one reality and don't realize that Jesus told us that both are going on at the same time. The question that I want to ask in the few minutes we have remaining for you is this, not if trouble hits, but when trouble hits, where will you turn? When trouble comes, where will you turn? Jesus tells us where to turn in that powerful short verse that uh, we're looking at this morning. He says, I tell you these things because in me, you might have peace. So he's the one to turn to, and in turning to Jesus, you need to turn to the cross. You know, um, easily the most difficult part for me of uh, being a pastor and for being a teacher of God's Word is when people come to me for the answer to pain. And while I can talk about sin and the pain that it causes, 
And while I can talk about the devil and his minions and the pain that they cause, the question that I'd really love to be able to answer and put in a nice one-size-fits-for-all bumper sticker are questions like, well, pastor, but what about my pain? And why is it that God doesn't take the circumstance of my pain away, but he does of someone else's? I don't have the answer to that question. I can guess. But here's what I do have, and here's what I can tell you in confidence. I can point you to Jesus. And I can point you into I can point you to the cross because in the cross we have reassurance. We have reassurance and hope. Because when we look at the cross, we see things like and we have assurance and hope that God loves us. Period. Actually, four exclamation points, at least. The cross is the answer to the devil's favorite lie. The one where he comes and he whispers in your ear, pointing at your trouble and your painful circumstances in life, and he whispers in your ear, see, God doesn't love you. And the cross of Jesus is the emphatic response Oh, yes, he does love you. Whatever the reason or the source of your pain, however that all works in your circumstance, whatever that reason is, let me tell you a reason that it is not. It isn't because God doesn't love you. Because he does. And the cross reassures us of that. And so when trouble comes, turn to the cross, point to the cross, because we're reassured that God loves us. We also are pointed to the cross because we're reassured that while God allows freedom, he is still in control. While God allows a measure of freedom to people to make their choices and to cause their trouble, while God has given a measure of freedom to the devil and his demons. At the same time, he hasn't lost a handle on this thing. He's still in control. You can see that beautifully illustrated in the crucifixion itself. People chose to put Jesus to death. People chose Jesus to be crucified rather than Barabbas. They chose to do what they did to him. And yet, make no mistake, God was in control. And we can look to the cross when trouble comes, and we can be reassured that God loves us, and that while God allows freedom, he's still in control. We can also look to the cross when trouble comes, and be reassured that God can even use the worst circumstances for eternal good. 
despite the worst trouble, despite the worst circumstances, God is able to work it and will work it for eternal good. Finally, we can look to the cross when trouble comes and be reassured of something that I saved for last because when I face big trouble, maybe when you have too, I'm sure the people in the video, every one of them would testify to this. That when trouble comes, we can have reassurance that Jesus understands our pain. He knows it because he's been there. And so on Easter, it seems to me, when we're pointing to the cross and we're pointing to the empty tomb, it's a time where we can be reassured of God's love, be reassured that he's in control, be reassured that even in the worst circumstances, he's working for good, and be reassured that Jesus understands our pain. You know, one of my... Um, one of my all-time favorite Bible stories, uh, most of you, I think, know it. It's about uh, three Jewish boys, and it's about a king named uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Remember him? And Nebuchadnezzar not only had a fiery furnace, he had a fiery temper. And if you remember the story, how the story goes, Nebuchadnezzar built this great big idol of gold. And he passed a law that said, when the music plays, everybody has to bow down and worship my idol. And everybody did except those three Jewish boys who said no. Word got to Nebuchadnezzar. Those three kids are hauled off before the most powerful man in the world. And Nebuchadnezzar points to the furnace and he says to the three kids, he says, you know what? The music's going to play again in a second and either bow down and worship that image of gold or I'm going to throw you into that furnace. And when faced with that, these boys display one of my favorite demonstrations of faith ever. Do you remember what they said? There they stand before Nebuchadnezzar and they say this, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, now that's trouble, my friends, big trouble. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from us, and he will deliver us from us, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, the boys are polite, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And oh, I just love that demonstration of faith it's where I would love to be able to camp and live my life and live out my faith. That spot that can say, you know what, no matter what trouble I face, my God is able to deliver me. He's powerful enough. And my God will deliver me. He loves me that much. But then this one, but even if he doesn't, what's that all about? He will Deliver us, those boys say. But even if he doesn't, were you sure to begin with? See, I think they were. I think in context what they're saying is, but even if he doesn't, in the way we expect, we're going to live our lives in the confidence that he will. And you know what? Even if those three boys had perished in that furnace that day, 
could we say today that God saved them? Absolutely we could, because death is no longer an ending. They continued right on living, and God saved them and took them home. I love that demonstration of faith. By the way, do you know the names of those three boys? Yeah. I'm reminded of a Steven Spielberg film where he wanted to have crowd noise in his film. Maybe you've heard this, and what you can do if you want good background crowd noise in a film is ask everybody to say the word rhubarb over and over. Rhubarb, rhubarb. Go ahead, everybody try it. Say it. Apparently on film that sounds like murmuring. Does from up here too. Oh yeah. Does anybody remember? Does anybody remember those three boys' names? I heard them. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. See, it's fascinating to me. We remember the names that Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, gave them, named after Babylonian gods. We don't remember their God-given Jewish names. They're there too in Daniel. Do you want to know what they are? Some of you remember? Shadrach's Jewish name was what? Man, that's such a shame. It's not your fault. Grieves me we don't know this. Shadrach's Jewish name is Hananiah. Say Hananiah. Meshach's name is Mishael. Say Mishael. And Abednego, his name is Azariah. Say Azariah. And you know what Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah mean? Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is like Yahweh. And Azariah means Yahweh has helped. And Jesus tells us, in our turn now, living in these two realities where there's trouble in the world and our Savior has overcome the world, in our turn now, Jesus says, we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. Ooh, take up our cross. Sounds like trouble. And it is. But realize that when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, we're also taking up the reassurance that God loves us. That he hasn't lost control of everything that's happening in his universe. And when we take up our cross, we realize that God can make eternal good even through the worst of circumstances. And even as we take up our cross and follow him, we're reassured again that Jesus understands our pain. And so just like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when we take up our fiery furnaces, we too will be able to say to trouble, my God is able to serve, my God is able to save, 
my God will save me. And even if he doesn't, you know what? He already has. So take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. In the words of the old hymn, cling to the old rugged cross because one day you'll exchange it for a crown. Because one day these two realities, one of them's going to go away and we'll be able to put our crosses down because all of this trouble is coming to an end. Why? Because God loves you. Because while he's allowing freedom for a time, lest anyone be lost, he's still in control. And because God can and will make even the worst of circumstances end in eternal good. And because God understands your pain, Jesus understands your pain and he cares. And so when trouble comes, turn to the cross. Go ahead and take it up and take up those reassurances with it. And one pastor's P.S., keep the Bible close. One of my favorite passages to turn to um, when I'm struggling with trouble um, is Psalm 40. So I want to give you that psalm. Um, I know some of you today, I I have no doubt you're in big trouble. And if I pass the mic and say, how many are in big trouble today? I think we'd be here a good portion of the day. Maybe that's why you came this morning. Listen to the words of Psalm 40, first three verses. The psalmist writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand and he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God are you waiting patiently on the Lord today is there trouble in your life that you're having a hard time wrestling with is that maybe one reason why you came here this morning I'm Sorry if you came here this morning to get away from the trouble and just to hear about victory in Jesus, but you know what? You can have that peace that passes understanding even in this reality of the world is in trouble when you cling to the reality that's going on at the same time, a Savior who has overcome the world. So maybe God had you come here this morning to consider that, to think about that. And I don't know, I would imagine in a room this size there are people that don't yet know the Lord, don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. There's no magic formula. But if you don't know him yet today, I want to invite you today to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell anyone. You can tell him because he's here, he's in and around all of his universe. And you can simply say to him, you know what, Lord, I am in big trouble And I'm tired of dealing with this trouble on my own. And I know you're the one that defeated sin and even death. And I know that when I talk to these Christians, even Christians that have trouble uh, that's as bad as mine or even way worse than mine, even all these Christians, when I talk to them, they all talk about this confidence that God loves them and that God is still in control and that God saw them through the worst of circumstances and that they're comforted because... Jesus understands them. 
you know what, I want that for my life, maybe you're thinking today. And if that's you, I invite you to accept him. And simply ask him right where you are. You could do it to yourself. You could pray to him. And, you're, and ask him, invite him, and say, Lord, uh, Jesus, I want you into my life. I want the peace that you promise is in you. You promised. And please, come into my life and give me that peace. If you've known Jesus all of your life, maybe today's a day that you can turn toward him again because you've wandered away a bit. Whatever your circumstance before the Lord, um, we've got something special to end with. It's an amazing thing uh, when music combines with video, when the talents of Rebecca and John come together to present something for us. And uh, God was really in this. So as you listen to this song and hear its words, and at the same time as you read God's words on the screen, maybe consider your own big trouble and your need for the peace that is in Jesus. And maybe consider turning toward him, whether for the first time or once again. Let's listen.
As the choir comes back up to lead us in our closing song, would you join me, please, in prayer? Jesus, you are indeed all that we need. The devil tries to tell us otherwise. But we know that you're the only one that we need, the only one that can give us peace in this world of trouble. Father, I pray for all of those, especially today, who are turning again to you or are running to you or turning to you for the first time. Uh, I praise God for those new brothers and sisters. I'd ask that you would hold them close and keep them close and bring them quickly into community here or into a different church, uh, but a community of other believers who can take them by the hand and be your uh, hand in the helping them walk through whatever trouble it is that may have led them to that decision to join you today. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for being a Savior who saves. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. It was a Saturday and all was lost. Jesus was dead. Sin had conquered. The disciples were disbanded. And the devil was laughing. But then, resurrection day came. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you something. Resurrection day will come again. And all who have perished will be raised from the dead. Amen? And Jesus conquered death so that in this world of trouble we may have peace. Go in that peace, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Amen.